tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. Uh, we are back. We've got a couple trades to discuss. Uh, some injury uh, news that may affect what teams uh, do before the trade deadline next Monday. But Russ uh, started off with our pre-show. Okay, so my day started off once again with like my daily Houston Astros update, and it's never good. This one says Astros pitcher Francis Martes is suspended for 162 games. So he's suspended for a complete season without pay because he got tested for Boldenone, and he got caught last March. So again, speaking of the lawless nature of the Houston Astros, this seems to fit right in with the culture. Hmm. Then, you know, I want to say it was 20 minutes later, and I'm going to say usually mild-mannered Nick Marcakis because I've never found this guy to be anything but a gentleman. Yes. Basically says that the Astros deserve a beating. Um, <laughs> and, and, but I have to say, this is where players are at right now. And players are trying to police the sport because none of them are happy with the way Rob Manfred just gave immunity maybe before he got more facts. And so now they're going to – basically take care of it like frontier justice style. And whether that's in beanings or just in horrible quotes and other media people are going to dig into this further because nobody feels like there's closure. So right now, baseball right now, and major league baseball is in turmoil. They probably will get more viewers on TV because of this, but I think they're going to get fewer people showing up to the ballpark because I think this is going to get a lot of people mad. Joe, it's to it's to the point here where Bob Nightingale, a very respected writer, I believe still for USA Today, yeah. came out yesterday and said that they're taking betting lines in Vegas on who on who gets hit most by hit by pitches for the Astros. Bregman is one to one, Springer is two to one, and Altuve is three. I'll take the Altuve three to one. I think he's going to get it the most. I mean, I would take Altuve if it were me. I don't know. He's he's a small target, so uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's a little bit more difficult. He might pull a Sean Estes and throw over his head. They'll <laughs> be so nowhere near him. <laughs> but I mean, like you're Ross. I got to disagree with you. You're saying it's gonna it. People aren't gonna show up. I I completely disagree. I think every Astros game, you're gonna have every knucklehead buying tickets for it to both yell at them because who who doesn't want to yell at them. But also, you're going to see a guy get plunked. You're going to see a team. No, no, that's going. I'm talking overall attendance, not when the Astros are in town. I get the Astros effect, but I see a lot of people getting fed up with the overall effect. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. Like, I know that uh, pitchers, pitchers and catchers have reported. I didn't think that uh, uh, everyday players had reported yet. But I saw something where a Yankee fan uh, in in Florida at spring training training games, his plan is to go to the Houston Astros game, and every time Altuve and Bregman and Correa come up, he's going to bring a garbage can and bang on. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a little—that's the Yankee fans' sort of petty revenge. But I like it. I—I I, I admire the ingenuity there. I—it's 
it's a fascinating thing and it, it like MLB's very milk toast response to everything is just making it a lot worse it's it's the you could take the visual of bud ceiling just kind of throwing his hands up at the all-star game in milwaukee and just throw it up on top of everything it has nothing to do with them but that's sort of the response out of out of rob manfred and all them is that they're just kind of like what do you mean you you, you don't like that we're trying to get all the information out of this and we we're giving everybody a pass like no no of course they don't like that nobody wants that you know the guys that were involved in it punish them and instead it's just kind of like well yeah of course we were doing this uh, just don't sit me for any games like yeah you know I, the whole thing where you know manfred calls the trophy you know piece of metal and like who cares about it? who cares who has it like right why why even have a regular season why have a playoff right. if you're not gonna if you're not gonna care about the award you hand out at the end it's just it's all stupid yeah, I just think the drip, drip, and this would be the last thing. I just think the drip, drip, drip of new revelations and new news throughout the season, it's going to end. I, I would be shocked if it doesn't end up in Manford reopening the investigation because you know if there's anything out there, if there's any kind of proof uh, of of the buzzers in 2019 or anything else that the Astros did that isn't out there yet, it's going to get out there. Somebody's going to spill, and this is going to just going to be an ongoing thing until – Maybe there's some, you know, some what people perceive as justice in the situation. Just, just wait for the Red Sox investigation to close. Whatever yeah, that's, that's, besides that, like that's the next thing to happen. That's I mean, the next big bomb at the end of next week that's going to happen. You're right. That's when. And by the way, I do have to applaud John Henry for being as obtuse an owner as the Red Sox were back when they sold Babe Ruth to the Yankees. He basically gave almost the same explanation for losing Mookie Betts in a trade and saying how much better this will make them. And this this quote from the Red Sox back in the day for Ruth was basically like, well, the Yankees were the only ones with a lot of money, and this will benefit us down the road. And yeah, like, yeah I don't think it did, and I don't think this will benefit the Red Sox either. Well, and, the, the funny thing uh, is – the funny thing is, Russ, that Bill Simmons, who's a monster Red Sox fan, said that uh, John Henry should fund the revival of No No Nanette on yeah. Broadway just to make it have some symmetry from a hundred years ago. Yeah, I mean, just the the best thing that I can come up with for the Red Sox is, and I saw another signing today, uh, another former player signed with the Brewers. I forget his name. They just want to save money. They made about five hundred nineteen million last year, which was a record for them. And they're going to rake in a little more because they're going to have less payroll. That's what that's the end result of what the Red Sox are doing this year. They have bailed out of this year because of the losing of Joe Alex Cora and the whole scandal. And baseball's in turmoil, man. It's it's a mess. And one last thing, the saddest thing I've ever seen on Twitter that Jim Carrey said he spent all of his summer vacation in Buffalo. Oh come on! If you want to talk about a tortured childhood? That's it, man. I'm upset I didn't run into him anywhere. That, that would have been that would have been a dream to to just end up hanging out someplace downtown and like I think I know that. Oh my god, it's Jim Carrey. That would have been that would have made my life to meet a guy like that. Are you kidding me? Well, Probably it, would have made his made him leave Buffalo right away though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What you don't know is that was all research for Bruce Almighty because it was, oh, it, was right. it was based in Buffalo. So it was research for something, Mike. But I mean. That's a tough place to have vacation every year. That's all I'm saying. That's true. Okay. Summer's the best time here. Everybody yeah. hates winter. Summer's the best time. I mean, it's good. There's no beaches. You know, there's there's some drawbacks, Joe. Yeah. I know it's a nice city. You don't get as, as long as you don't have to go to the anchor bar. Uh, okay. 
Hello, Hockey World. Today is Tuesday, February 18th, 2020. Russ? I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. We usually go last. so. <laughs> and I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here Thanks on com. And we are pleased to be joined today by Joe Yerden, who covers the Sabres and the NHL for The Athletic. Uh, hi, Joe. Hi, guys. Good to be with you again. <laughs> um, let's start with the big news from yesterday, uh, the, the, the trade of Tyler Toffoli, which we were expecting. He was one of the four or five most prominent names on the, you know, the rental trade deadline list. Uh, Toffoli goes to the Vancouver Canucks, who I didn't hear as them being like a leading candidate for him. So, uh, but, but he goes to the Canucks along, uh, for uh, Tim Schaller, a 2020 second round pick, a conditional pick if Toffoli re-signs with the Canucks, and most importantly, Russ, uh, prospect Tyler Madden. Um, Joe, you first. What did you think of this deal? I think it makes a lot of sense from Vancouver's part. Um, there's some questions about Brock Besser's health uh, that's, that have come up recently. And uh, you know, Vancouver, I think they're they're in an unlikely spot that they've just been kind of rolling in all year. The, the division's bad. Vancouver's been pretty good this season, and they've got a real honest-to-goodness chance to, to kind of maybe punch out of a round in the postseason. So, hey, why not? You know, get out ahead of it. I mean, it's, it's cliche at this point, but get out ahead of the deadline. Get the guy that, that you think is going to help you the most. And you know what? The price, Tyler Madden's going to be probably a pretty good player. Um, he's a pretty He's a very good offensive player, and you know, I mean the the draft pick. I mean that's that's the cost of doing business to get a guy like that. But I like that move for Vancouver. I think that it's going to help them out a lot. And when best, you know, investors feeling great. I mean, he's already a super dangerous guy, and you get a Toffoli to to kind of get into that mix. That's you know, I, it's it's a lot of fun. I think that I think Vancouver is probably the team that's the most enjoyable for me to watch out of that division, aside from Vegas. I mean, Vegas is Vegas is Vegas, baby. But I mean, Vancouver they do a lot of fun stuff, and there's a lot of very likable characters of that team. Russ, I, I look at this deal and, you know, maybe I'm overemphasizing, but I think that when Furland went down with a concussion in Utica uh, last week, they were trying to get him back in the lineup or see if he could get back in the lineup. And once that happened, I, then I think they probably went forward with going after somebody like Toffoli because they, 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 they definitely were looking for somebody with size on the wing. And I think Tavoli's more of a scorer than a guy like Wayne Simmons, who they were rumored to be interested in. But it, it makes it makes sense that they went this way because they they believed that they needed somebody to fill the gap while Besser was out, and then when Besser comes back, to give them some depth of scoring. I mean, they filled a need. They're they're desperate to stay in their playoff race. We know the Aquilino brothers pretty much have put out the edict they needed to make the playoff. So. They're doing their best in that regard, but they gave up a lot. I mean, for one thing, they gave up a 2020 pick, which, again, a lot of teams are trying to do the Lou thing and do the 2021. So the fact that you got them on a 2020, now Vancouver picks 75th in the draft. That's never great. I mean, go ask the Rangers. I think when they did it, Pavel Buchnevich was their first selection one year. So, And he's a decent player. Don't get me wrong. But that's as good as it gets if you pick 75th. You know what I mean? That's So, so you've stunted that. Madden can be a second-line center, I think, in the NHL. I love his speed. The hockey IQ is off the charts. He is a very confident kid. He, yeah, needs to play a little better away from the puck. I don't care that he's 155 pounds. People need to get over that. Yeah. Jack Hughes weighs that. Sam Gerrard weighs that. There's a bunch of guys now that weigh that. So, to me, that's insignificant. But his passing and his skating and his scoring is real. And now you look at the King centers, and it's just unbelievable. I mean – 
they have Turcotte and Kupari and Velarde and and so that's you know they they have four of the best young centers really in in the NHL as far as in the prospect system. So the Kings have really done an amazing job in the last two years of, yeah. and they have great talent evaluators over there. They do. I mean, yeah, Michael Foot and Mark Yannetti know what they're doing. And, you know, like Mike, we were talking last night when they got the first pick of Bjorn Fott, that was to some maybe a little bit of a risky pick. And then he started playing with the Kings this year and Drew Dowdy loves them. So he'll probably be back next year. So you look at all these guys, Madden's probably a year away. The Kings are really setting the table here and I, it's going to be really good for them. So as far as Vancouver, they need to go a couple rounds, whether they can resign to Foley or not, that's fine. He's not what he was two years ago. He could still score goals in this league. So, I mean, they've done worse with contracts. I'll say that. I mean, Joe, the, the, the King, the Kings are still in a hole with the, some of these long-term contracts with aging players like Carter and, and Brown and quick, but to Russ's point over the last year, the, the Muzzin deal, the the deal for uh, for Toffoli, and then the deal for Campbell and Clifford. They they've accumulated five draft picks. The one that they took Bjornfoot, a couple seconds, a couple thirds. Trevor Moore, who's a speedy winger, Carl Grundstrom, who played on the Marlies uh, 2018 Calder Cup team, and now Madden. They're getting speedy. Uh, skilled players in these deals, and that was something, at least the speed, was something that, that they didn't have. So, you know, Blake is doing a pretty good job uh, replenishing the uh, the coffers of the Kings. Yeah, addressing the speed was was the big thing. I mean, the Kings were always the the big, heavy, you know, physical team, but they, the speed was becoming an issue um, for them. I mean, it's, it's been an issue the last couple of seasons, and I, you know, I – to Russ's point about Toffoli, it's, I, I think that might be the only thing that surprises me on the deal is that the price was still that high, right? Uh, given the production. But I mean, you know, some people, you know, you look at that and you say, all right, well, you know, this guy's still got to be viewed as, as, as that much of a cost because he's, he's still on the young side of things. Although, you know, depending on how you feel about where the cliff comes for, for players, whether you believe it's speed, or later. It's the foot speed cliff that we worry about with him. Yeah. So it's, you know, th there's that part. So, I, but, you know, I mean, as far as the contract stuff, I mean, the Kings are kind of stuck with, with a lot of that. I mean, it's Carter, you know, two more years of Carter, you know, you've got Kopitar until 2024 and, you know, he's, you know, he's 32. I mean, it's weird that the age just seemed to catch up with him awfully, awfully quickly as yeah. far as, you know, cause in my mind, he's still like, Oh, he's 25, right? He's still a young guy. No, no, he's not, he's not 25 anymore. Um, but you know, guys like him and Martinez and, you know, Dowdy, they've got signed forever and, you know, you have to try to find ways to cut losses where you can. And I think that's, that's something Rob Blake's is kind of trying to figure out right now and, you know, addressing that the issue they're going to have up the middle, you know, with Kopitar getting older, you know, Trevor Lewis is, you know, Trevor Lewis is already kind of there and, you know, you, you have Adrian Kempe, who's, who's not really totally lived up to the height. Uh, quite yet, and you know you've got a lot of questions up the middle. So trying to address that through the draft and trying to get all these guys squared away, it's a really smart idea. It's something that you have to be prepared for, and you have to know where your weaknesses are going to be a year or two down the road. And that's that's the way to do it. I mean, you're looking at, you know, maybe you know Turcotte, maybe he needs another year at Wisconsin. You know, Madden, maybe he needs another year at college. So you know, if you got the time, you can you can spend the time and just collect picks and. You know, I, I think collecting picks for this draft upcoming is a little bit curious, um, especially down the road, you know, down further back in the draft. But, I, 
you know, whatever, load up on prospects and see if you get some lottery tickets to pay off. Well, you know, the other thing is when, when they do this, Joe, and they grab these other centers, now it lets someone like Anderson Dolan really become a wing because he probably wasn't going to be able to play center in the league. And now that does fill out the wing for them too. So this really does have good repercussions for them. And, yeah, they just have to be patient, and they will be. Kel Clay will be up there before you know it too. I mean – Probably after they trade Martinez because I think he's going to go next. Yeah, so this is a team that, you know, I could see not next year, but the year after we're starting to say, hey, you know what, we're starting to see something come out of this team and in two, three years maybe contending. Well, and you know, and I, one other thing about them is that you you look at what they've they've had going on in their defense, and they've had some things just kind of work out for them. You know, they, you know they get Joe Kim Ryan from from San Jose, and that that's working out pretty well. Matt Roy, I think, has been a very ha- happy surprise for them. Mm-hmm. Um, he got pressed into duty last season, and it was just I know, this is all we got. We got to we got to play him, and now he's playing pretty well. Uh, you know, it, Ben Hutton might be the one disappointing guy this season yeah. for him, but. You know, it's, it's a lot of – it was an area that started to look like it was going to be a disaster area for a while, but I don't think they're as bad on the, on the D side of things. But, up, you know, up front, I mean, they need more. Can't just coast on Kopitar and I follow to, to try to do everything for you. No. And, you know, that that's you – know, trying to fill the needs and, and do it on your own, I mean, it's, it's the best way to do it, especially when you got contracts you can't get rid of. Yeah, and the one thing I think is a common thread with the deals that have been made over the last couple of days, Joe, is that – I think the prices have been higher than expected. I mean, I didn't expect the Devils to get it have to uh, that to get a second round pick and a prospect for Andy Green. I know it was a controlled situation where he was only going to go to the Islanders, but even that, I mean, you would think that the price would have been a little bit more reasonable. A number one and Nolan Foot for Blake Coleman is a steep price. It's it may be worth it because he's got another year, but and now and now this deal, I thought I, I think. That, <laughs> that Vancouver gave up a lot more than I thought that uh, LA was going to get for, for Toffoli. So maybe that says that the prices, because there are not that as many sellers as people think the prices are going to be really uh, expensive in the next six days. I think if you're, if teams are going to hold the line at getting a first round pick for guys that they value as, as their, as the rentals that are going to get a first round pick that I, that, that to me says the deadline's not going to be as busy as mm-hmm. it is because well, that price is getting set now. That's tough. I think you'll see some teams bend Joe with the 2021 first. I think that's what'll happen, and and that could and teams are still willing to accept that as currency because they can still show their fan base, hey, we got a first round pick. I think that will still work out because, like with the Islanders trade, um, there's no question that Lou probably went right back to his staff and said, well, what's better if we draft in the second round this year or we draft in the second round next year? And clearly, it was next year. So the Devils accepted the 2021 second rounder in the Andy Green trade, and the, the basically the Islanders could still stay the course. I think we're going to see a few teams do that. Well, one team that might trade a first uh, could be Colorado, but they have a lot of a-, a lot of assets as well. And you know, there was a, a rather entertaining four three game between the Lightning and the Avalanche yesterday. The Lightning win it. I think it was Kucherov that scored a winning goal. Yeah, but in that game. Uh, Colorado suffers a, a really critical injury. Uh, Rantanen goes into the boards after being tripped by Eric Cernak. He breaks his collarbone. He's out six to eight weeks. And, you know, Joe, we thought that Colorado was going to be in the mix for, you know, maybe Kreider or another forward. Now I think it's almost a necessity with Rantanen being out uh, for most of the rest of the regular season and them being in a tight race with St. Louis and Dallas for positioning in the, in the central. Yeah, that's uh, 
losing Rantanen's not that's not an easy that's not an easy one to deal with. I mean, he's so good, he's so talented. Um, they've they, they've had to deal a little bit this season without him uh, early on, and I you know I I think the, the thought was that once he got back you know once he got back they were good to go, and things were going to be okay. But I mean it's I mean he's picked up picked up pretty well from, from from where he left off. I mean he missed about what 16, 16 games, and he's still a point per game guy. I mean that's that's really difficult to to, to lose out on, and they could use the help. I mean you've got Kadri who is banged up. You've got some questions there and, you know, they, they, they do have some guys that are playing a little bit above where you thought they would. I mean, they've gotten way more out of Nachushkin than I thought. I think anybody thought they were going to get out of him. Burakovsky has been, been a very good addition to that team, but they're, they're pretty thin. Um, and it's good depth, but it's, you know, it's not a lot going on there. They could stand to add somebody for sure. And I think that's, that's something where, you know, the, the spot that they're in, I mean, they, you know, they're thinking playoffs, obviously, and you have to, you have to move forward with it. And I think that's something where you, you look at how that team set up and, you know, that's a tight race in that division. I'm just looking at it, looking at it right now. Yeah. Forgive, forgive me for that. But, um, but I mean, if you want to try to avoid Dallas or St. Louis in that first round, yeah. you know, that the, you, you can do it and you got to push a button. And I think, you know, they, they've been helped out because St. Louis has cooled off. Dallas, I think, is just a – they're kind of all over the place. They're they are a true wild card in that sense where you don't know what you're going to quite get out of them other than Ben Bishop being incredible. Um, but I think for Colorado, I mean, you're looking at Ranton in, what, six to eight weeks. Timing-wise, you're looking at him maybe coming back, what, second round of the playoffs maybe, maybe end of the first round yeah. uh, around there. Um, that's – it's a it's a tightrope to walk without without having one of your top players, and or or if they push him, probably middle middle of the first round because I think it's just under seven weeks to go in the regular season. So I mean, you know, but I don't think they want to rush him because. You know, <clears throat> uh, but but here's the but this is the situation. I mean, Colorado has the most cap space at the deadline of any team, so they have options in terms of where they need to go. But now you've got Kadri out; he's out indefinitely. Russ, uh, you've got Ranton out. His exact injury. What uh, Rakadri's uh, a high ankle, high ankle sprain. Okay, so he he'll be he'll be back by the playoffs. He'll be back by the playoffs, right? But right now, you know, right right now, you know, it it, it means that there's more of a focus on McKinnon without Kadri in the line. Right, he could, he could survive that, okay. right? Marantin's out for six to eight weeks, and Grubauer is out indefinitely. So if you're Sackick, you know what priority is first? To me, it's the goaltender. I think he's still going first. Yeah. yeah. And now, no, Joe, we were, we were talking about this yesterday, and you know, Russ suggested a guy like Jimmy Howard because there's a number of rental veteran goaltenders. Uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, Corey Crawford is on the market with Chicago because Chicago is not in it, and they have they have him and Leonard. I think the perfect fit for Colorado might be Craig Anderson, and I don't think he'd be that expensive to get. What do you, What do you think? I, I like the idea of Anderson. Um, I mean, that's familiar territory for him. He's been in right. he's been in Denver before. Um, I would be very wary on Jimmy Howard, uh, only because his performance this season has been so tough. Right, but but he had a. Here's my thinking on Howard. He had a good game last game. I could get him cheap. I still have Francis. Francis could probably hold the, the load, and so I don't have to bankrupt myself. And maybe then I could also go and trade Kreider. I think Ottawa will soak them for Anderson because Otto Anderson is so well liked in the area. They're not just letting him go for a song. 
Yeah, I, that 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 to me is the is the hang up on Anderson. They do love him there, and you know, I think for him, depending on what his future holds, I think that might be that might be the question where you know if he's thinking about maybe. You know, maybe it's time to just kind of call it a day. I don't think he, I don't think he's in that position, but you know, you never know. Right. Um, but if he's in that position where it's like, you know, this team isn't going to see playoffs probably in another year or so, you know, for at least a year or two, maybe. A year uh, or 10. Yeah. Yeah. So then you start thinking about, well, where else could I go? And if Denver calls, I, I think that's one where if you're Anderson, you got to really think about it long and hard and then hope that, you know, th- that deal can come, can come through. I think Pierre Dorian's done okay on his trades. Um, of of late, but um, but I but back to Howard. Howard to me is interesting. I mean, yes, it's a bad season. Yes, he's had that good recent start, but he's such a unbelievable competitor. I mean, if you it, it any time man, he gets his he gets his back up, and he's just yeah. he 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 makes a difference. And I I, I think back to when everybody was handing the throne over in Detroit to Mrazek. And suddenly it was, you know, part part of that was Mrazek didn't didn't take it and run with it, uh, but the other part of that is that Howard was like, no, this is my job. You're not taking it from me. Right. I think there's something to be said about that. Now, you know, mind you, if you bring Jimmy Howard into that situation and say, listen, you're gonna, gonna hold down until we get Grubauer back, and he's our guy. But you don't have to say that to him because you don't know what's going to happen with Grubauer. You could just bring in Jimmy Howard and see what you got. He right. does have a good playoff record. So, like, what if all of a sudden you bring him in and he really is Jimmy Howard? Well, then you know what? Then I may not have to play Francis at all if Grubauer is healthy and I've strengthened my team. Yeah. Um, the uh, And one other thing with Colorado, they did call up Martin Kaut, Russ. Um, now, okay, good. I don't know whether, you know, he's not having a great year in the AHL right now. So could this be, you know, give him a couple games in the NHL. Maybe this is a showcase situation or. Uh, I don't think it's a showcase. I think what it is, is I said this on Sirius XM. I was just on there. When you lose Rantanen, you can't fill those shoes. You can't trade for a guy. You can't do anything. All you could do is get somebody that you think will click with certain line mates that play with Rantanen. And if that guy could hold his own, basically skating with the physical end and popping a few points you could get by for a certain amount of time, and I think that's what they're going to hope to do with Count. I mean, Count will probably you know play on the third line; he right. won't play that high. But I think that's what they're going to hope to do is that he could fill a role for a few weeks, and then if they're yeah, if they can get Kreider, they'll get Kreider. But this is more of an immediate thing. But I don't really feel it's a, it's a showcase. I don't. I think the same as um, Bellows with the Islanders. I never felt like he was a showcase. They needed a player. They brought up a player. Joe, let, let's switch to the Sabres. Um, the news yesterday about Zach Bogosian being suspended for not reporting to uh, Rochester. Uh, it's not exactly a surprise, but this, I mean, right now the Sabres, they, they beat the Leafs on Sunday. They're, you know, essentially still in the race, but I don't really think, you know, they've got three teams to jump over to get back into the wild card race. So I don't conceive that them being a, a legitimate or realistic playoff. Uh, contender, I would think that Botterill would be of the mindset of, you know, trade some of his rental free agents and see if he can get some futures. But what what do you think the organization is looking at in terms of Bogosian, in terms of some of the other guys like Sherry, Gergensen, Larson, etc.? Well, it's, it's three teams in the wild card, but only one team to hop over to 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 get back to sniffing at Toronto's heels right. in the wild card. Uh, I think I think Toronto could have delivered the death blow uh, with a win the other night, but. But it's, but they're in it, you know, if, I mean, Hey, Florida and Toronto don't want to grab it and you want to kind of leave the door open. I, Sabres are going to have to go on a, uh, 
Andrew Hammond, you know, Hamburglar run to, to be able to do it, which, hey, fun that he's in the system. So that's, that's <laughs> some nice spooky ties to it. But uh, but as far as the trade market goes, they're in a weird – I mean, they've been in a weird spot all season where it's, you know, the ring's kind of been there to grab at it, to, you know, to, to make a run, uh, to add a guy, to, to improve the team. Uh, and, you know, fans are grumpy. You know, we know all about Dwayne and the phone call and, you know, the, the legendary sports radio call finally comes to Buffalo. And that's that's great. But um, but I think in this case, it's, you know, people don't like that Skinner's not, you know, didn't play with Jack all while Olsen's out. And, you know, Olsen's back and, you know, Jack, you know, Skinner's on a line with Rodriguez and Sherry, which I, I like that. I like the makeup of that line. That's three. That's three guys with that that can get on top of the puck. They can forecheck and do all those things. But. You know, I, unless this team in the you know unless this team gets bombed out by Ottawa and then you know maybe gets their teeth kicked in by way Winnipeg and, and Pittsburgh over the weekend, I don't really see them doing anything overly drastic unless it's something to set the table for next season, um, because they're they're still at a spot where the idea of the playoffs is still hanging around. It's still kind of there, and if they keep winning, that idea is still going to be there, and it's. You know, it's the fallacy of the of the points process where you just, I would just keep getting points. We can we can do this. And, you know, just ask Boston how it is about keeping Tampa off their heels and Tampa trying to catch Boston at the top of the division. Neither can do it because they keep winning and they can't make up any ground. But um, but if they want to move guys, they can move Larson to somebody and probably get a pretty good price because he's a very good player for the role that he's at. Um, I think he's been terribly, terribly misused the last few seasons considering his abilities. I mean, he's, he's a dogged four checker. He's very hard on the puck. He makes other players miserable to deal with him. And he's got the sort of makeup where you, you think if you put him on a playoff team, boy, he's going to get a following very quickly because fans are going to be like, how do they let this guy go? Look at the way he is, you know, the way he drives opponents crazy with how he plays. I, that's the kind of makeup that he has. I think you can do that with Gergensen's as well. I mean, he, the guy just goes hard every game. He plays, plays his butt off. And he's the ultimate, you know, blue collar type player. I mean, that's the kind of stuff fans here should go crazy for. But, you know, a lot of that stuff's been down the road. And, you know, they, they view these guys as failed prospects or, you know, whatever well, you want. Well, no. All right. So let's let's talk about that for a minute. Aside from Bogosian, who I think since every team passed on him, his, his career is on life support. Uh, I think the player development model is broken in Buffalo. I thought that for the last six months. They're not giving me any reason to think otherwise. Unless you, the way I look at it is, unless you're sort of Jack Eichel, Rasmus, you know, not Sandy, Darlene Reddy, um, you generally struggle in that in that organization. And if you do get sent down, it's rare that someone comes up and is as good as Olafson. On the average, it seems like they're not like that. We wonder how guys get buried down there, like Asplund and everything else. And the only thing I could look at is sometimes it's the player, but sometimes it is the player development model. And it just seems like their model isn't working. I, I would argue that there's some confusion when guys come up to the NHL level. Um, you know, I think having, you know, five, six head coaches in the last seven years probably doesn't help out. Doesn't um, help. Nope. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't do anybody any favors when they get called up. But, you know, I think in Asplund's case, I think he's, he's a better fit as a center. Uh, he was used a lot as a winger here. And, you know, the assignments, you think it's easier to play wing. Uh, but for some guys, they're so zoned in as, as being a center that if you put them, you know, if you take away the defensive assignments and just tell them, hey, get out there and, you know, just just push the puck up the ice and do this. 
they're a little bit out of fish out of water. And I, I think that's kind of what happened with Asplund at the NHL level where, you know, if he wasn't playing center, it was just kind of, all right, what do I do with, you know, what am I doing out here? What do I do with myself? And I think there's, there's been that. And, you know, it's, you know, when I, I look at some of the other guys that they have in the system, I mean, there's, there's guys that they want to leave in Rochester to, to just get better. You know, it's, it's Will Borgen. I mean, thankfully they've had a thousand defensemen in the system, so they don't have to push. Will okay, Borgen but, uh, good example, Will Borgen. Like Will Borgen's game isn't going to change much more. I think he can play already in the NHL. I don't understand why he hasn't really played. He was good enough for the Olympic team. To me, if he's good enough for the Olympic team, he certainly could be good enough to get a shot on the Sabres, especially with all this stuff going on. It's, and, because, they, it's because they have nine defensemen up in the well, – yeah. They didn't have nine good ones. I mean, that's why Bogosian – They They can't create the space to bring up Oregon because they're stuck mm. with Colin Miller and and Bogosian and a couple others. It's like, I mean, that's, that's – But the they reason. weren't stuck with them to start the year. Like, Borgen should have been given a shot instead of maybe making the Colin Miller trade. Like, I'm just saying, well, that was there's a lot of things. You could place some blame on Botterill, but there's always somebody else in the organization. When, Joe, you're the GM, you call and you say, who's ready and where should I play him? I don't know if that's working right. Because I remember for years it was broken with the Rangers. And when Jim Schoenfeld left, magically it got better. Well, I mean, th this is this is the thing I have the problem problem with because before, right after the All Star break, we looked at the Sabers schedule. They had nine of the next ten games at home. It was going to be that's this is going to be the determining factor. If they if they win seven or eight of them, they're in the race. If they lose seven or eight, you know they're out of the race and they could be sellers. And Joe, in typical Sabers fa fashion, I think they went four four and one. Now they're eight points behind Toronto. They're nine points out of the wild card. They're in that middle zone where. You know, Bodrell may dump, may not dump. And if they keep these guys and they all walk away or most of them walk away from nothing, then you have assets that you that you that you had. Now, not to say they're gonna get first round picks for Johan Larson or anything for Bogosian, but I mean I it's it's the worst position that they could be in. There's there's no determin you know, no determination now six days before the deadline. And you know, if 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 Botterill does nothing, I think he misses out on an opportunity to at least get something back for players that they're probably not going to bring back anyway. Yeah, it, it felt like forever for that nine that nine out of ten with at home, but they went they went five four and one during that stretch, which perfectly down the middle, you know, which is kind of what this team is. They're a perfectly average team. They do some things very well. They're very good at limiting shots, and, and they keep it to quality opportunities. But those quality opportunities have wound up in the net for the most part. And that falls on goaltending, but, um, but you know, they don't have a powerful offense. They, you know, they take advantage of the, of the really good chances they get, but they don't generate just the, a ton of empty calorie chances, which makes for a kind of a boring team to watch, but. Okay. Um, but here's a good example, Joe. So you got guys like Curtis Lazar. He, he's a hole filler. He's a seat mm -hmm. filler. You get, you just signed someone like Taylor Lear. Maybe they should have traded for Julian Gauthier because he's a lot better than Taylor Lear. Like, there's things that the Sabres can do. I've seen enough of Taylor to know he's a quadruple-A guy. He's got speed, but he's going to only be able to go up there and look good for 10, 15 games, and then you're going to put him out of the lineup. They have a lot of those guys, too many of those, and they're still making decisions to add those guys. That, to me, is an issue. Well, uh, Lear, Lear was – I mean, that's that's a guy they got last year in the Bailey trade, and he he, he was just in Rochester on an AHL contract. You know, give him an NHL deal to call him up if you need him, and that's that. I, I think that, but I think those are 
moves like that. And, you know, the, I think the Dalton Smith thing from December, that was yeah different motivation there uh, as far as, as getting that signing done. And, and the one game that he did play in, um, that's, that's a whole other ball of wax there. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but I mean, as far as like prospects, I mean, you look at the Rochester lineup, it's not a very prospect heavy roster. I mean, it's pilot, it's Borgen, you know, you've got CJ Smith there still. You've got Asplin. You, you know, you've got guys, but it's a lot of AHL, uh, very, yeah, exactly. very good AHL players. And mm-hmm. you know, that's part of that is to give the prospects that you have there a chance to do well in the playoffs. As long as they don't have to play the Marlies in the first round, they, they probably got a good chance. <laughs> um, but they, but they, it, it's the kind of thing where a lot of their prospects now are either in college or they're in Europe and they're not, they're not getting those AHL games yet. Uh, that probably changes next season, I would imagine. With you know, Picard's going to age out uh, out of um, where is he Sudbury now. Uh, Samuelson maybe is going to be done in Western Michigan after the season. Maybe he goes for another season. I don't know, but I would guess that he probably comes out after that. And you've got a bunch of guys in Finland and Sweden that are just playing games against adults out there. So there's no need. There's no hurry to get them over here. And you know, maybe Oscar Eloxson and gets a call. Maybe. You know, R2 Rutzelainen gets gets a chance to come over here at once uh, once the Finnish league playoffs are done. It's it's different things when guys are out of sight, out of mind with your prospects, and that that's just that seems to be Bottrell's mentality. He sees it as a as a market inefficiency in getting guys out of Europe, which which I mean, is crazy. I mean, if you look at teams, yeah. it's the exact opposite now for this league. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's the it's the sort of thing that makes it makes it tough for us, you know, trying to get an idea of how good these prospects actually are. Right. If they're not playing in the CHL or if they're not playing in, in you know, the, the AHL or whatnot, you don't really get a good idea because you know the competition in Sweden. It's like okay, it's grown men, but you know they're kids playing against grown men, so the numbers are going to look like going to look pretty bad until right. they're I mean, old enough to handle it. You you could use you know Capocaco as an example where. He was just about starring over there in the Finnish league, but he's got some deficiencies. His skating isn't great. He, If he isn't on a breakout pass, he's got to be really in close or he's not going to score a goal. He right. can't find any time. There's definitely going to be those things, but the hope is when you bring these guys over that you can get them over the hump. I have very little faith that they could get some of these guys over the hump, and that's the problem is they're going to keep being very average if they don't. Well, and and probably Lukanen will be in the AHL next year after playing yeah. the, in the ECHL. The one the one thing is like the one gem over the last couple of years, Olafson, who you know he was mostly developed in the SHL. He came right. over, he led the SHL in scoring. He came over, scored thirty goals in the AHL, which means he was pretty much a finished product. Right, that's again, that's my issue is there's very few guys developing there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he Olafson's a rookie, but he's twenty. 24, 25 right. years old. I mean, he's he's not he's, he's not going to improve. You know, the, the shot's already an elite NHL shot. Yeah. I, I I'll fight yeah. anybody who disagrees. Oh, on no, that. No, it is. Um, but I mean, yeah, but we knew that, he could play last year. We knew you knew he could play last year. Yeah, and, and <laughs> that's a big point of frustration for a lot of Sabres fans that were like, "We need scoring. Get this guy up here. We need right. him." And they were just like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope. Leave him in Rochester. They need him more there." And you know, I, I think he's. I think Olson's exceeded expectations here. I think you know, yeah. based on you do your, your your math with with how guys from one you know from an AHL season to the NHL, how that you know how that's supposed to project out. He's he, it was supposed to be like a twenty goal, forty point season, which I think a lot of people would be like, hell yeah, we'll take that. But right. you know, we're looking at him maybe being a 
you know, depending on how the last, you know, the last stretch of this the season goes, maybe he's a 25 goal guy, maybe, you know, that, and that's even with missing a bunch of games. So it, I think, you know, hitting on a lottery ticket, and it's not even a lottery ticket. It's just, you know, a seventh round guy that you took at the end of a draft that probably wasn't a very good draft for you in the first place, but just kind of on a wing of a prayer, you find a guy and oops, he evolved. He figured it out in Sweden and you, then you have his rights. Yeah, he's going to end up probably being top five in the Calder. Now, uh, Russ, you you mentioned Gautier, and that was the deal that was made today. It was a minor league deal, um, but I think a really good deal for the Rangers because uh, uh, Julian Gautier was traded for Joey Keane. Uh, Joey Keane was a third-round pick a couple years ago, having an okay year with Hartford. Julian Gauthier is a former first-round pick. He's got 27 goals with Charlotte right now. He had 26 goals last year. I saw him play for Charlotte in the Calder Cup uh, Conference Final against the Marlies. He's big. He, I, I think he's got enough speed for the NHL. This, I don't understand what the hell uh, Don Waddell is thinking here. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try and explain it. I mean, last year when, like, Tony McDonald retired, he was the director of scouting there, they – they jettisoned some other scouts too, right? So there's been a change in how they're thinking and uh, about certain players. And so I think they soured on them. Do I know that for certain? No, but I think they did. And I think they did because at times Julian Gauthier could be a little headstrong and he's not great defensively. He's not great away from the puck. All that said, he's fast. He's got a great one-timer. He could score from um, – bunch of different areas he doesn't have to be in close he's got a great wrist shot and I think the speed is there and so when you look at that a guy who's like 6'4 225 right Joey Keane's a decent defenseman don't get me wrong I think he's a really ample puck moving defenseman who can bring the puck up the ice and has a little upside all that said you're looking at Gauthier as a potential home run pick and and that to me is is a bigger deal here so I don't know I don't know I know Kane's fans are mad because they've all been saying we need a power forward, and they just traded a power forward. And we brought up the other day on, on Off the Post with David Cotton, there may be a path where Carolina doesn't even have his rights anymore, and it's completely up to him when his school year ends where he wants to sign because of another year of junior eligibility, so it's technically like his fifth year. So they Carolina may have already lost Cotton. Now maybe this is clearing a spot for Cotton, Let's see, because maybe that's why they got rid of Gauthier, so they can entice him and say, hey, look, we just cleared a spot for you. So, you know, if that were to work out, I'd say, all right, you know what? It takes the sting out a little. If it doesn't and Cotton doesn't sign with them, well, then you lost out on two potential power forwards, and there's not that many of them around. And, Joe, the one thing that's, that sort of, you know, just – rings a bell in my head here is that if there's one team with great organizational depth on D it's Carolina. And what do they do? They trade a big forward for a defenseman. So I, I, I that's <laughs> another aspect that I really don't get in this deal. I'm not saying King can't be a good player because he probably can be a good player, but I, you know, I've seen Gautier play, play a lot and I think he can be an NHL, maybe third line guy, uh, the, especially if he improves defensively, but I, I think he's got a better chance of being a success story in the NHL than Joey Keane does. Yeah, the thing that sticks out to me on this is that it, it has all the markings of the Rangers preparing to move somebody at the NHL level, you know, whether it's Kreider or if it's somebody else. Right. Uh, no that's part. the part that sticks out in that for me. But, you know, as far as Carolina hoarding defensemen at that level, I mean, you know, Buffalo does it, you know, they've got, the, you know, they've got a few guys even in Cincinnati that could be, that could, should be playing in Rochester, you know, for, for Carolina to do the same thing. I mean, Charlotte's a very good AHL team too. 
so maybe just keeping a giant stockpile of defensemen is the is the is the new market mentality for for teams. But uh, but losing a guy up front like that that's a forward that probably can play in the NHL right now. I mean, he probably he's gonna get a look. There's no question. But it's it's a weird move. I mean, I know Carolina is a little bit more stocked up up you know up front at forward at the at the NHL level. But I, I would still I you got to score goals <laughs> to win in the league. You know you'll want to prevent all the goals in the world, but I mean you still got to score them too. And I know for Carolina scoring them's not been not been an issue with with Aho and Teravine and all those guys. But, but man, just it's it's a it's a it's a strange one for me, but. Um, you know, I you know I I I I follow a team that's that that's not really eager to pull the trigger on a lot of deals. So I I, I don't I don't know how good I am to, at, at trying to analyze how other teams. Well, I, I'll add this further strangeness. I do kind of wonder what they think of Jake Bean there now. I do because there have been ample opportunities for Jake Bean to come up, and he certainly could skate, and he certainly could put points on the board. Sure. And so it does make me wonder if this new philosophy, Joe then so suddenly make someone like him available. And if it does, then that's maybe why they got Keen because Keen can be a puck mover. Maybe they are looking for the safer guys. Keen is a safer guy. And yeah. I, I, I was going to say, I, I know B, the one knock on Bean is that he's not terribly physical with what he does. Right. He's, just a, he's just a natural puck moving offensive, offensive defenseman. And, and I think everybody wants to have that perfect hybrid of a guy who can lean into hits Take a hit, give a hit, and also still be able to get out of their own zone, and you know maybe Bean or uh, yeah, yeah, yes, Bean, Bean and Keen. <laughs> I think Jake Bean, maybe maybe Bean's got a little bit of a uh, there's a little bit of a struggle there when it comes to the, the physical side where it's hampering his abilities to be able to get out of the zone. I say that sight unseen. Yeah, Bean, man. This is what I'll add. You're right, but I think that's also because of the current coach Rob Brindamore. I think you could put. Jake Bean in other systems, and he'll do just fine. I think Brindamore wouldn't like what you just said, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I also think that this is a this could be a little bit of a reflection of the, them swinging and missing on their big free agent signing over the summer, which was Jake Gardner. I talked to a when the when the Hurricanes came through Buffalo. I think it was in December. I talked to somebody from the Canes uh, ma uh, management team and asked how Gardner was doing, and he gave the Randy Carlisle just okay uh, <laughs> moniker. And you look at his stats; he's minus. I think he's minus twenty one. He's like the the worst on, plus minus on that team was like minus seven next to Gardner, and then Gardner's minus twenty one. So he's being the Jake Gardner that he was was in Toronto with the exception of he's not producing as much offensively and that that can't be good um so so look just a couple updates on some injuries here and then I want to talk about some of the was injuries in the NHL really yeah shocking uh Oscar Clefbaum adds to the list of of walking wounded for the Edmonton Oilers he's out two to three weeks with the shoulder injury so you add that to James Neal you add that to McDavid you add that to the suspension of Zach Cassian and and Joe they just keep winning but but I think eventually, as as these players drop, you know, it's it's got to have an effect on this team, wouldn't you think? Yeah, I I've been I think everybody's been kind of waiting for the floor to fall out for Edmonton all season long, and I I think everybody else in that division's helping keeping helping keeping the floor underneath yeah. them. Honestly, yeah. Um, I mean, it helps to have Drysaitel and, and McDavid do things, and I can't believe Yamamoto. He's really come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kyler's yeah. I I've been a big fan of his since since his junior days, and I. 
made me sore that Edmonton grabbed them. I wanted wanted to see him in a different situation, but another hundred fifty five pound guy too, just for those fans out there. Yeah, those little guys just seem to seem to make things go. It's weird, weird how it works out. But I used to be one hundred and fifty five pounds, Russ, when I was eight. <laughs> I was one seventy five. Now I'm farther north of that. I'm not. I'm not going to check in on the weight <laughs> right now. I'm just going to say. I'm just going to say that I would fit in the the uh, the pre the pre uh, season ending lockout NHL if I were a blue liner. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's yeah, Edmonton. The Edmonton thing is fascinating that they that they're doing as well as they are. But um, you wonder what you know what injury is going to be the one that's going to be like. All right, well that's gonna that's about yeah. wrap it up here for these guys. But this could be it. I mean, division's just a gross mess, and that's yeah. that's going to keep them going. Yeah, this this may be the one because they don't have tremendous blue line depth. Even if they go out and make a trade now, just to sort of plug it, mm-hmm. it still this may be the one that really gets them because what they say four weeks for Clefbaum. Two to three. Two to three. Optimistic, yeah. So let's say it's three. That's that's going to be rough. So maybe they'll go out and get like a lesser defenseman. Like I saw names like Christian Fowler and guys like that. They may have to get a plug like that and hope for the best. Yeah. Uh, the other injury that was uh, just reported, Zach Aston Reese for the uh, Penguins out week to week with an LBI. No, we know Rutherford is probably going to make another move because that's Rutherford, and he, and they've got and they've got cap space because they moved out Galchenyuk in the deal for for Zucker, so they have most of the Gensel LTIR money still uh, uh, to work with. And Joe, I think I think they're you know I think they probably are going to go for a defenseman because Marino's out and Dumoulin's still out, but I wouldn't be surprised if they found a, a cheap forward out there like a Tyler Innes for, for Ottawa. You know that you probably get for a third or a fourth round pick. I wouldn't be surprised if Rutherford goes that route. I I think Ennis would be a wise move for somebody who needs somebody to play lower in the lineup to score a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a great idea because I think he's he's played very well this season. When it comes to Pittsburgh, I can't help but not think I can't help but think of uh, Zemgus Gergensen's as yeah need a guy for for down to the lineup. I mean Gergensen's he's got a home in Pittsburgh. You know oh. he, he and his wife they they live down there so. Um, he, he's a guy, I think, you know, stash it away for summer knowledge uh, when it's time for free agency. That, he feels like a big pierogi guy. I could see him liking pierogi. <laughs> well, I mean, when, when your wife's from Pittsburgh, I think you, you want to keep, you know, you know, a happy home. That that, yeah. that makes sense. But Everybody loves a garbage plate. <laughs> but, I mean, it's um, – but I think for – but I, I to me, I think Zemgus is like a, is a perfect guy for a team like Pittsburgh. You don't – you don't have to sweat the offensive side of things. You got Malkin, you got Crosby, right. you got those guys. And yeah, you're without Gensel, but they, they still seem to score goals. It seems to not be an issue. And I think you know you need those those wear and tear guys uh, down the lineup. And you know a guy like that would be perfect to have uh, in Pittsburgh. But uh, but I think if you want somebody who's got a little bit more of a scoring touch, then Ennis Ennis makes a ton of sense too. Pitt, it, it must be nice to be in a spot like Pittsburgh where you don't have to do a gigantic move to make your team better. Right. That's the bat. That's the, that's the thing for Jim Rutherford. He can make these, these smaller moves with, you know, might be named players, but he can make these moves all day and he's happy to do them. Uh, but you're not really messing with the core of your, your team at all. And that's, that's, I, I, if I was another GM, I'd be jealous of that all day long. I do want to mention Mike, um, because we're on the Pittsburgh thing. Yep. As far as Marino goes, this wasn't like voodoo with Jim Rutherford getting them. Apparently, when Marino was down to that 30-day window with the Oilers, the Oilers knew he wasn't going to sign with them. So when Pittsburgh came a-calling, they let him talk to Marino and see if that was amenable. 
they were just looking for a team for him to go to at that point. So I think anybody who would have called would have had a chance to talk to Marino to see if he was going to potentially sign with you. And so that's where Edmonton just took anything for him because they literally had to move him in 30 days. Right. It was like a, it was like the Zach Hyman deal a few years ago with the Leafs. He was going to be a free agent on August 15th, and they got a they got Greg McKagan a sixth-round pick or something like that for him. Hey, Greg McKagan, great Ranger. Don't, don't knock him, man. There you go. Uh, an update here. Elliot Friedman reporting that uh, Jim Benning in Vancouver an, uh, announced – strategically after the Toffoli trade, that Besser's injury may be more severe than thought, and he may be out. Joe Yerden said that. Yeah, maybe out for the season. So I didn't say how serious it was. I just heard that there were concerns that it might be longer. I didn't know. Those rib cartilage things are tricky. There's no question the rib cartilage things are tricky. I feel bad for Besser here because he's got so much talent, but the injuries, you know, have piled up on him the last couple of years. Now, a couple things, Joe. I, I I look at the race in the East right now. I mean, you know, Carolina's looking for a defenseman. Columbus, I think, is looking for anything they can get their hands on because they're so shorthanded with injuries. And, help me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Philadelphia is looking for a third-line center, but they don't have any cap space to do it. Toronto and Florida, I think, are in the market, but I don't see any deal out there that changes their fortunes from being abysmal defensively to being at least okay. So – I don't know where these teams go in the East, if there's going to be deals made or they're just going to say, we're going to go with what we got and see where you know luck takes us. I think it's unfortunate for both Florida and Toronto that they have teams that are loaded up with defensemen, you know, it's whether it's Carolina or it's Buffalo, like right, right in the muck with them where, you know, maybe not necessarily Buffalo's in the muck with them, but you know, we're a team where you could call and maybe figure things out, but, uh, I don't. I I would get the feeling that neither of those teams want to really lend a hand to, to the Leafs right. or the Panthers. That's it goes against what they're what they're aiming for. Um, that's too bad on their on their case. But I, you know, I, I would argue that in the Leafs situation, that you know, getting defensive help has been something that's been a problem for two, three seasons, ten years, ten years. Ten years. Yeah. So I mean, it's I mean that, that that's a known that's a known issue, and they they've tried to fill that in, you know, from within and. You know, it's, it's tough to do when you're throwing Sandin and uh, William Grin and those guys right into it and saying, like, all right, buddies, it's your time. we got to do this. And yeah. you know, it's a hard adjustment. But You know, something to mention about, about Florida here. I mean, again, it's not that crazy to say that Sergey Bobrovsky's season is disastrous. And the fact that you only really have Dridger and Montenblow as your backups – it wouldn't shock me if they get another goalie at the deadline because I think there's going to be a moment where Quenville is just tired of of Bob playing lousy and waiting for him to catch fire while he's falling out of the playoffs. And so it wouldn't shock me if they get a short-term guy to sort of play some of those other games instead of the younger guys that they have, less proven guys. And maybe that's where like an Anderson or Howard, again, you just take a shot at it because Bob's giving you nothing. Like what, yeah. He's horrible right now. It, so, it sounds to me, though, Russ, that because, I mean, Talon came out and said, well, I'm looking for a veteran stabilizer that I can play with Ekblad, and that's his – That's his. but they, they don't have a ton of cap space to really do that. So I don't know, you know, where where, where and how they're going to make that move. And in regards to, 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 to Toronto, Joe, uh, I, the, ideally they didn't want not did not want Sandin and Liljegren to come up and have to play, but the injuries to CeCe and Riley forced it. And, Russ, tonight – they're benching Liljegren and they're playing Martin Marinson. So yeah, see, there you go, falling back. 
Nine, they, they couldn't, they didn't trust Lilligren to play any more than eight or nine minutes on Sunday. And now they're putting in Mr. Giveaway. Martin. Here's how bad Bob's season is. He's a minus 17 for GSAA. And that's where you're sort of supposed to look at the goalie and see what he prevents on his own. He's not preventing anything. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, I'm proving right now. When, when it comes to Florida, though, isn't there a problem uh, that they don't have enough forwards? Uh, wasn't I seeing that they were playing? We're better forwards than some of their depth forwards. Yes, but you know what? I'll put those two offensemen on, on a line. I still need someone to stop the puck or I'm going nowhere. Yeah, and they placed Howerluck on waivers and they lost him to Ottawa. And there's another there's another winger. So it's like, what are you going to do, put Ekblad on the left wing? I don't think it's a stretch that at some point Dale Talon could lose his job. I feel like I'm – I feel pretty comfortable in saying that. Yeah, now in the West, um, you know, right now – Wait, hold on. Maybe Joe wants to chime in. He's got the okay, – go I'm making a face at that. Just He's got the better like, beer face on. It's a – it's a <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> It's not drinking daddy what you're supposed to do and seeing how they've got, you know, they went out and got Joel and Joel and Dale have their, you know, they've got a great relationship, but I would see that. That just seems like a, a strange move to me. It, the, the stranger move to me was, was spending all that money to get Bob in the first place because that was never Talon's really right. so great he, operation in Chicago was to have spent a, the money on Bob. He gave, he gave a horrible contract to Matheson. I mean, if you go down the line, there's been some really bad moves in this organization. Yeah. I'm not saying that there's not reason to do it. I'm just saying it would yeah. be really strange timing to do it now just because, yeah. you know, he – I mean, remember, Peter Luka, the one thing to remember is Peter Luco is still in that organization, and so you never know if he's going to, you know, at some point look at all this and say, if they don't make the playoffs, something's going to happen, Joe. That's all I could say. And, and, are, are you playing like old Flyers habits die hard where you, get, you go and spend on a goalie and he doesn't work out? Yeah. Yeah, and 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 the ch the chatter that came out over the weekend. John Burke comes to mind, you know, whatever. Not, they didn't spend on him; they picked him up. But you know, yeah. the, the chatter that came out over the weekend of them potentially shopping Vincent Trocheck doesn't make any sense to me. It makes no sense. Yeah, I mean, because they have a one-two punch up the middle, and unless Trocheck and and Quenville just don't get along, you're gonna you're gonna put. Uh, Barkov on an island without a number two center behind him. That makes absolutely no no sense. What the problem is now? Maybe you have to trade someone like Owen Tippett that's taken a little longer because he's not great defensively. Right. You may not want to, you know, Joe Quenville may not put up with an Owen Tippett. And now all of a sudden, yeah, I, I'm not even going to get him. And he's got an amazing shot, but he'll never get in the lineup because he's not a two way guy. Now, in the West, and we'll just be brief on this. I think I don't think Vegas can really make any move because they're they're up against the cap. Vancouver's made their moves. Arizona has made their move with with Taylor Hall. I think the moves, if anywhere, they're coming out of the Central. And and Joe with Bowmeister, I think it's pretty safe to say out for at least the rest of the year. Uh, Tarasenko apparently is skating, so they think he might be back by, probably by mid March. I think the focus of Doug Armstrong is probably have to, to go after a defenseman because they they now they need that depth on the blue line. Yeah, it, Tarasenko coming back is like your. I think that's their big deadline move. Is you know you're getting a 40 goal scorer back, uh, but yeah, they could use a little help on defense. Vegas to me seems like a team that really needs a lot of help on defense. Yeah, uh, on the right side, and I, I think that's maybe why there's a lot of. A lot of chatter amongst fans that Buffalo and Vegas making a deal makes a lot of sense because, hey, look, Buffalo's got a lot of right-hand defensemen, even without Bogosian. Uh, Vegas. <laughs> I think it's safe to say in Vegas it might be time for Derek Englund to fill that role as the community relations guy and not on the blue line there. 
well, it's they've been holding yeah. for him for a couple oh, of years now. But I mean, I you know, I look at you know just contracts and and, and things like that, and it's it, it's it, it's a fan's dream. It's a hockey hockey's future board dream to be able to try to figure out the the salaries between Vegas and Buffalo to try to make it make a deal, try to try to conjure a, a trade to happen there, whether it's, you know, it's a Ristolainen or a Montour going and then you, you move like a Riley Smith or, you know, uh, an Alex Tuck, which I don't think Vegas would ever give up on him. But um, but it, it's uh, the kind of thing where it just makes you go, man, they, they could do something here if they want to. And uh, well, you know what the problem is, Joe? Deals like that, that just don't always happen at the deadline. Cody, the problem is when you have Flurry, he keeps you super competitive, but they still don't have a farm system full of players yet. Because they're still a new team, so they're they're not loaded down there. At some point, they do need to load up down there because it's, this isn't going to last forever. And how long can you keep trying to do this and maybe get back to the cup where you should really be building? Because there's going to be a time when this team falls off. Yeah, and you know, I, I see how well Nick Suzuki's done in Montreal, and it's mm-hmm. it's like you know, I mean, Pacioretty's been fantastic, so I don't think you feel too bad about that, but. Um, but I mean, on the defensive side of things, they haven't really invested a ton on the blue line. Nope. Um, you know, because they, you know, you, when you go out and you trade for a Shea Theodore and you, know, you get Braden McNabb, uh, out of, uh, out of LA and you're thinking like, all right, well, you know, Hey, we got young defensemen here. We don't really need to spend a lot of these high picks on, on getting defensemen. Well, jokes on you guys. You, you got to get them all the time and you got to develop some of these guys. And I, I know they, they like, uh, they like white cloud. Yeah. Uh, I will, tell you, I will tell you this, Joe. Sorry. White Cloud is pretty good. I mean, I don't know if he's a long-term NHL guy. That's the problem. He may just be a plug. Mm-hmm. The problem is you pivoted from Gallant, and when you pivoted from Gallant, that now changed the way they play defense too. Yeah, and I mean, that's – I think that's a big that's, – that's a bigger issue than – lets on when it comes to these teams changing up coaches and, and everything. And I think that even the same thing applies in Buffalo. I mean, you go from Phil Housley who wanted your defenseman to run and gun to Ralph who wants everybody to be responsible. That's, that makes that's a big change thing. for everybody. It's a big adjustment for everybody. And well, um, I think that's maybe that might be an area that, you know, the, these teams that, that make these changes, they have to identify that really quick. And if they're going to back that coach, for the next few years, you better figure out which guys are meant to stay in that system. And then if they're not going to, if they're not meant to stay there, get them out and get some help elsewhere. Well, Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, it's going to be an exciting next six days before the deadline and glad to get your, uh, your input on uh, what's going on in the league. And-, and I did survive a show with two Yankee fans. So kudos <laughs> to me. Yes. Well, it's, it, Hey, it's always better to be friends with people who, who, who root for the 27 time world champion. <laughs> it's be- it's better to ha- to be able to uh, have all- have us all come together like the uh, like an episode of Transformers where a bad guy comes out of the- comes out of nowhere and everybody teams up to beat them. Now it's the Astros. It's all punched down on. That's them. fair. I'm with you. <laughs> well, actually, back in the day, there was a lot of punching down with the Astros and Gillies, and now it looks like there's going to be a little bit more. And strangely enough, the bad guy looks like Justin Verlander. Uh, <laughs> For Joe Yurden, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and we'll be back tomorrow. And without the buzz, it's just.